first of all, it's all in the writing. It's all in the crafting and the plot device of these characters and how it's moving it forward, getting your head around that. And then you just exhale and just live it. and welcome to the Awardist, EW's podcast where we break down the state of the Emmy race and we talk to your favorite stars and the biggest contenders of the Emmy season. I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I am joined by my delightful colleague. Hey, it's Jared Hall, senior TV editor. Uh, Kristen, I know how excited you are for this week's podcast. Oh, yes, you do. When we started plotting this out, our guest today was the very first person you said to me, we have to have this guy on the podcast. And you know what? I, it was a delightful interview. Yes, this week we're going to be talking about the comedy series race. And so, of course, a big contender this season is Cobra Kai, the YouTube turn Netflix hit, which is yeah. very, very funny. And this week I had the wonderful fortune to talk to William Zabka, co-star and co-executive producer of Cobra mm -hmm. Kai. He plays Johnny Lawrence, of course, reprising yeah. his role from the movie. And he's just a freaking delight. I love him very much. And he's so funny on the show. So funny mm -hmm. and good. Like it, he does yes. dramatic work yeah. where he's really moving. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just such an incredible performance for him. And I'm so thrilled to see him be an Emmy contender this year. Yeah, a lot of people like, you know, this show, of course, brings so much nostalgia. But yes. uh, I, I think what people, I hope people, and by people, I mean Academy members, aren't <laughs> forgetting is that this show is more than that. Yeah. It has so many more layers to it. It really does. It's a wonderful sort of family drama and intergenerational drama. And the characters, I really don't know of a sequel, I guess, if you want to call it that, that's done mm -hmm. such a great job honoring the original property and the original story while also creating something totally new. So mm -hmm. um, I've been a fan since day one. And I'm, you know, it obviously, once it moved to Netflix, the show became even huger. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think this could be the year for Cobra Kai to get an Emmy nomination. And that'll make me happy. Yeah, of course. Well, they they have some very strong competition. I mean, mm -hmm. in this past year, comedy has been great and comedy has been what we've all relied on yes. so much to get us through an insane so year when there wasn't much to laugh about otherwise. So let's go through this very long list quickly. Uh, of course, there's Ted Lasso. Yes. Uh, I mean, that juggernaut of a series, which is so great. Uh, the Flight Attendant, which I think at first we all thought was going to be a limited series, but then they got renewed. There's more story to tell there. The Kaminsky Method for its final season, Blackish is still going strong on ABC. Mm -hmm. Pin 15 had a really funny second season on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, Superstore, oh, said goodbye. Final season, yeah. Yeah, final season. They lost America Ferreira, then they brought her back. Uh, they dealt with uh, the pandemic. Uh, in ways that no other show really could because they're set in a store and all these people, they're considered essential workers. So um, they they did some really great stuff this season too. 
Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Hacks starring Gene Smart is so, so good. I know you love it too. Love Dickinson it. on Apple TV Plus, uh, also Made for Love on HBO Max with Kristen Milioti and, and Ray Romano and Billy Magnuson. And then Search Party actually has two seasons that are eligible, That's seasons nuts. three and four, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So really in, in a way, like they kind of have enough episodes to be a traditional like broadcast sitcom uh, that would <laughs> right. have like 20 to 24 episodes. But that show, a very dark comedy uh, but they did some really interesting things in seasons three and four as well. Uh, what to you are, I, I, well, here's the great thing about this category. It's not yes. limited to five nominees. So, yes. so maybe like process of elimination, who do you think will get cut? It's hard because, I mean, I feel like, you know, we've got some clear front runners. Ted Lasso mm -hmm. is obviously a fan favorite and, and a, an awards darling. Flight Attendant, yeah. uh, I think, is is something that's got a lot of momentum. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at things that, you know, I think this the lone broadcast or two there are two lone broadcast contenders, Superstore and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, will have a, a hard time squeaking in. I think if one mm -hmm. of them does, it will probably be Superstore because I think there was a real swell of affection for that show in its final season. Yeah. I mean, HBO Max has a lot of contenders. I would be surprised if Search Party actually ended up on yeah. the list simply because, you know, it was on TBS and it went away for a while, certainly because the pandemic, but then also it was moving to HBO Max and HBO Max right. didn't launch, you know, for a while. And so I think it might be a little out of sight, out of mind for voters. Mm -hmm. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I think they had some really strong comedy, especially yes. that supporting cast really <sighs> brings it in so that way. Good. Yeah, because poor like Alia Shawkat was, you know, her character was locked away in uh, in a basement. But yeah, I mean, I think of those HBO Max shows, I think Hacks stands the strongest chance also because it's a show not just that's funny but it's a show about comedy yes. and comedians so it really has that working for it too i don't think dickinson's going to make the cut um 10 15 had some really strong stuff as did blackish i'm worried about kaminsky method potentially but uh, yeah, it's really, it's a crowded yeah. field. I think, yeah. we're, you know, it'll be interesting to see as we really get into this campaign season, you know, with these streamers, especially that have so many potential nominees, right. uh, you know, what are they throwing their real weight behind? Mm -hmm. We should definitely get into uh, the, the performers. But before we do that, who is your dream comedy series nominee? Oh, my dream nominee is another HBO Max show, <laughs> at least here in the in America. It's I Hate Susie, which was uh, created by Billy Piper and Lucy Preble, who did Secret Diary of a Call Girl. And um, mm -hmm. Billy Piper plays sort of a mid to low level celebrity who uh, gets involved in a scandal when her cell phone is hacked and yes. some naughty oh. pictures get out and it like kind of upends mm -hmm. her entire life. And she's so good in it. And it's funny, but it's also really moving. And it's like mm -hmm. this exploration of modern womanhood. I just love it so much. And she carries it so well. She's so good. She's so yeah. good. Uh, I think it's unlikely to get a nomination, but that would be my dream. Yeah. And I mean, she should be on the list of lead actress nominees. I'm not seeing her name pop up many places mm -mm. yet, but uh, there, there's, a, there's a strong list of contenders. Kaylee Cuoco for The Flight Attendant, Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish. She's a four-time nominee. She should have won before. I'm Hello. just going to say that. Uh, Jane Levy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Gene Smart, who's wonderful in so Hacks. Good. 
Yes, the two leads of Pin15, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Allison Janney for Mom. She's already won an Emmy twice for the show, but she was in supporting. Then she moved to lead where she's been nominated twice. Kristen Milioti, Made for Love, and Haley Steinfeld in Dickinson. Some really strong contenders. I think Kaylee, Tracy, Jean... Allison are probably locks. Yeah. And I mean, that leaves us with what? Like four additional slots. And right. so that's you Do know, both pin fifteen women get nominated? I don't know. I mean They're worthy. I, I think they're worthy. They really are. I mean, well, think about it like in other categories where you have two sort of leading performers like Killing Eve, you know, both oh, Jody right. Comer and uh, Sandra, oh, obviously that's drama, but like it's not unheard of for you know two co-leads to be nominated. So I think, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be tough for Hallie Steinfeld to slip in. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, you know, it's, she's certainly good. I think <laughs> I would be surprised if there was a broadcast nominee beyond Tracy Ellis Ross, but you mm-hmm. know, I, it's a tough crowd. Yeah, and then we have the latecomer to the race this year, which is Girls Five Eva on Peacock. Oh yes. And those women, uh, I don't know if anyone is technically considered a lead there, if they're going to do, you know, that kind of friends thing where in the first few years, everybody is supporting. Yeah, because it's very much an ensemble. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out with them. And then let's get into uh, the the actor category here. I don't know if anybody stands a chance of beating Jason Sudeikis, but there are some great performers here. Michael Douglas for Kaminsky Method. Uh, Your two Cobra Kai guys, William Zapka and Ralph Macchio. Uh, Also from Blackish, Anthony Anderson. Ted Danson on Mr. Mayor. Keenan Thompson headlined his own sitcom, Keenan, and then there's Dave Bird on Dave, who might be a dark horse in this yeah. category. He seems to be bubbling up sort of in, in some of the odds pieces and stuff, mm-hmm. and people do love that show. It was renewed. Um, Keenan, you know, sort of a sweet sitcom. He's very lovable, yeah. and like I yes. think he's absolutely deserving in the supporting category uh, you know, for Saturday Night Live. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I do think people love him and that show was just renewed. So mm-hmm. I can understand why he's in the mix here. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like both William and Ralph from Cobra Kai deserve nominations. So really mm-hmm. this category is filling up fast, but I agree yeah. with you in that Sudeikis is the one to beat. In another year where he's not even part of the equation, I don't know that there's even a front runner if you eliminate him. Maybe Michael Douglas? Maybe. I believe this is what, their final season? Final season, yeah. And people love him. Yeah, he has a Golden Globe for it. Yeah, and he's been nominated for this before. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would be, you know, sort of your your runner-up in terms of momentum. Right. But right. Um, barring some kind of disaster where Jason Sudeikis takes himself out of the race, I think he's going to be yeah. hard to beat. Agree, agree. And and the thing that uh, I kind of forgot to mention earlier, we're looking at a year with no Shits Creek. Uh, they swept Ugh. every single category <laughs> last year, um, which just, which at just, first just, I think going so into glad. it, yeah. Well, I, I know you are. Yeah, it's a very funny show, and, and mm-hmm. I think they were. Um, they, oh, oh, she doesn't even think that. Yeah, I, I just agree like, there. God, <laughs> enough, enough. Like literally, it won all these awards. Like really. Was it really that good? But whatever, fine. Can we just yeah. lever? Now we never have to say it again. That's true. Move I on. got it out of the way. I got it out of the way so you could get those uh, <laughs> those shivers and shake it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's certainly opening up the field for a lot of other very deserving people. So uh, one of those people you're about to talk to. 
Oh my God. Yes. So of course, by the way, did you know that William Zabka is an Oscar nominee? He produced a short film that was uh, nominated for an Oscar. So it's called Most. Um, so by the way, put wow. some respect okay. on his name. Um, yeah. And yeah, he, uh, we had a great conversation about reprising his role as Johnny Lawrence. And he's so, you know, just grateful for this opportunity and also just really having the time of his life. And uh, and really about, proud of the show, too. Yes, as he should be. And we yeah. talked about that and working with Elizabeth Shue, who he calls Lisa, oh. by the way. I guess she's all oh. known by, she's known by Lisa among her friends. So when he talks about Lisa, that's who okay. he means. So anyway, please enjoy my conversation with William Zabka, which is coming up right after this quick break. It's time for my interview with William Zabka from Cobra Kai. Welcome, William, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kristen. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Now, can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that you are a legitimate Emmy contender for playing a grown-up version of Johnny Lawrence? Can we just appreciate that? Yes, the 18-year-old me is, uh, you know, kicking himself on a beach somewhere. This is too, it, just the idea of this is, it's so unbelievable. It really, truly is so unbelievable. You know, Johnny's like, uh, you know, an old friend of mine from childhood. To see him grow up and to get the love and the attention from fans and the critics, it's just been it's a dream. It's really, really unbelievable. So, yay, Johnny. Yay, yay Cobra Johnny. Kai. Yeah. If someone had told you 10 years ago, even, that you'd be reprising this role and that it would be so successful, what would you have said? I would have never believed in a million years. Yeah. I mean, when they pitched me the show, I was coming out of like this deep sleep. This The Johnny in me was slowly waking up. Took a long time to poke the bear to, to make this happen. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I want to talk about season three. There's so much great stuff to talk about. But first, I just want to go back to the beginning a little bit. So when, before John Hurwitz, Josh Heald, and Hayden Schlossberg came to pitch you the idea for Cobra Kai, had you heard other pitches for Karate Kid Revival? Had other people tried to get something like this going? Yeah, I think there's been nothing like what Ralph would get. Ralph would get full-on Karate Kid pitches. I would get, you know, versions of Johnny. I even played around with that in a music video I directed called Sweep the Leg back in like 2008. And, you know, there was something stirring in me that wasn't finished with Johnny. I felt that it was somewhere in the, you know, out there in the universe. It was, you know, there was more Cobra Kai to come. But yeah, there were were a few ideas. I, I mean, I had friends that came, how about this? How about that? But it took the magic bullet. It took the right everything lined up for this. The right writers, the right timing for streaming media, for, you know, the Sony lineup. Everything just kind of clicked and made sense. So it's a lightning strike twice here, you know, first time when I was 18 and now when I'm, you know, 29. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even miss a beat there. That's exactly right. right. Um, What would you say, I mean, obviously you said that there was something stirring in you and that you knew there was more Johnny to come, but was there a period of time when you were like, I want to distance myself from this character? Not consciously. I think, sure. I mean, as an artist, you want to, you want to move on, you want to do new things, you know, but there was never any, I never had any animosity towards what Johnny or Karate Kid, it was only been a blessing for my career. It's just been like, you know, the origins of everything. But yeah, I think, you know, I played a lot of similar type characters you know the 80s i was kind of the quintessential bad guy i was you know that's how it's kind of defined and most of my roles came out of that you know and in my subsequent career and all that so um but i never consciously pushed away from it if anything i would embrace it um but i always wanted to do something different and new and that's why 
Cobra Kai to do it right was so important because if I went back and played, you know, a version of um, him when he's 18, a kind of more, you know, unredeemed character, except for at the very ending, uh, that wouldn't have been exciting. I didn't want to double down on Johnny's quote unquote dickness, you know, like (laughs) he had to have a heart and we, we had to see him go through a redemption arc. He had to have mud on him. So he's really, in a way, um, playing a brand new character in many ways. He's, you know, he's got 30 years of life and backstory in between yeah. then and now. So that's super exciting. If, if Karate Kid didn't exist, you know, this character could exist easily. It's just we have the benefit of having Karate Kid as our backstory, which just happens to be a, you know, classic film that everybody knows and loves. So I uh, yeah. so that going for me with it, with the character. And you mentioned, I was looking through some old interviews you did, and even way back in 2009, you were talking about how in the first movie, you saw in the script uh, sort of a glimmer, what you called a glimmer of decency in Johnny in that final moment, the sweep the leg moment. And it really is interesting, like, how important was that glimmer when you were crafting this new character 30 years later? Yeah, well, that's the seed of the guy today. That's when I read the Karate Kid script. As I was turning the pages, I'm like, I'm never getting this part. I mean, he's a black belt. I didn't know karate. He's a motorcycle gang leader. I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. He's mean and like this. You know, I, the last thing I did was a milk commercial, maybe an M&M's commercial. They're never going to see me as this gang karate guy, right? But then I get, to the, I get to the end when he's saying sweep the leg. And especially the last note of Karate Kid where, where Johnny's a good sport, hands him the trophy and says, you're all right, LaRusso. Um, that's when I like, oh, there's Billy. There's the door into Johnny. Now I got to paint backwards and learn everything, learn the karate, learn all that. And it gave me a great license to be as tough and mean and hard as I wanted to be and could be in the karate kid. Cause I knew I was going to land on that note. And that gave me a lot of fulfillment over the years, just knowing, you know, if, if nothing ever happened after karate kid, Johnny landed on his feet, he got choked right. out in the parking lot. You know, you hope, you hope he went off in a, in a good direction and had a good life, you know? So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this season, season three, there's so many big moments for Johnny this season. First of all, just overall, how would you describe his arc this season? Probably the most fun I've ever had with the character ever. The arc from, you know, blaming himself for for himself. He's taking the weight of the world on. If he didn't open up Cobra Kai, if he didn't embrace this kid, Miguel, all this never would have happened. If you'd have been fine, if he was just, you know, hanging TVs and fixing, uh, taking rodents out of gutters, you know, life would have been better. But, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, so he starts off in this season, you know, his his prize student who he loves like a son is, um, you know, potentially paralyzed in a hospital. And that was delivered by his own real blood son. So he's in the soup at the beginning and, and drinking his sorrows away and very, very negatively charged. And, um, and that's, that's a great place to go as an actor, especially when you kind of see like throughout the season, how he's going to pull himself up by the bootstraps and um, how Miguel's going to challenge him to become yes. a sensei again. And those turning points, you know, and he's trying to find his way and claw, claw himself back out of the gutter and, and re-own himself. And also, at the end of season two, Crease has taken his dojo. Mm. And so everything that he worked for, everything he did is a failed experiment. And so he's got to work his way out of that, you know. And of course, then we have the great Elizabeth Shue yes. jumping into the mix and reaching oh out like gosh. a little, you know, little angel from heaven into Johnny's life and reminding exactly. him of his, of his youth and bringing out that kind of boyishness that was really fun to tap into and play. And working with Lisa was so 
organic, really what you saw on screen, what was happening in real life, you know. Well, and it really did, it felt like a re, the characters, it felt like the character, not just like two, you know, it, she really seemed like Allie, you know, yeah, grown yeah. up. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And it's amazing because she's such a great actress and um, and she's a little bit like Allie and not, and she's tough. Lisa is, yeah. she's got brothers, she's just strong and she's, you know, so Allie's a little more, uh, you know, cupcake, you know, as, as John yeah. Allison, the director would say. <laughs> Um, but she, um, you know, there's Lisa and we have this great relationship. And then, you know, when she walked into that, into that restaurant, we did that scene and she had that smile on her face. It just brought me back to 1984 and, um, she was wonderful to work with. And, uh, so that was great. And I love, I love what that does for Johnny moving forward. It's really a palate cleanser for him. And, you know, and, and then at the end of the, of the season, as, this uh, Christmas dinner with the Russos. And I loved, I think my, my favorite moment of the season was saying goodbye to Allie outside of the, uh, the country club. You know, right. it's like, I remember doing that scene and they told me that Journey was going to play under that. I'm having this kind of 80s romantic moment with Elizabeth Shue. And she's setting me free to go and run down the steps to my true love. And I just thought, you know, how did these guys do this? That they, that Johnny Lawrence from 1984, you know, is having this moment. So it's great. The arc was probably my favorite arc of anything I've done, I think. It's a great mix of drama and comedy. Like there's some really, especially, you know, I think one of the real takeaways people had from season one is like, you're a great dramatic actor. (laughs) You know, people had seen you as playing, you know, the bully and, and all of that. And, you know, which is kind of cartoonish, but now, you know, you really got to show such depth and it mm. continues. Do you yeah. like, what is that challenge like in this show? Cause it's so funny, but then you have really moving moments too. Yeah. It's such a, con- I mean, it's in the writing, first of all, you know, they throw me these heart, these, I read these, these pages and I'm in tears. I'm like, Oh my, you know, talking about his son, you know, and not showing up for his son. And, um, and then the comedy, which I, I just love, but the comedy is, you know, he's, he's, um, it's not being played for comedy. It's funny. You know, we're, we're witnessing this almost kind of artifact of the eighties stumble through his life and try to pull yeah. himself up. And, you know, his disconnect from the internet and disconnect from the modern technology is I think refreshing. It's certainly refreshing to play. I think yeah. it's, I think it's fun for people to watch, especially those of us that were there with the first Mac LCs and the first, I, you know, the first phones that came in and to watch, <laughs> to watch somebody go through that evolution from now, I think is a lot of fun and it's super fun to play. So fun. And one of the most enjoyable parts of the show is sort of the relationship between Johnny and Daniel, you know, they have this hilarious buddy comedy chemistry, but then they butt heads can you talk a little bit about creating that, you know, on-screen dynamic with Ralph? Because it's obviously very different from what you had in the film. Yeah, sure. First of all, Ralph and I have become friends over the years and closer and closer. Since Pat Morita, when he passed away, we reunited at his memorial service. And that was the beginning of Ralph and I becoming reconnected after all the years of us going our different ways. So we, we've developed a very natural relationship over the years. It's very we, we banter back and forth. We rib each other. We'll do a Comic-Con. We're on the panels. We like to give each other a hard time and one-up each other. So the competition in between us and that kind of nature, good nature, is already there organically, you know, just between us as friends. Um, but then jumping back into these characters in season one, when Daniel walks into the dojo and says, you know, I heard you're picking on these kids. And I said, what kids? I, I hit any kids. I kick the shit out of a bunch of assholes who deserved it, you know? And it's like the Johnny's point of view, but that, that moment right there 
it was Johnny and Daniel in real life and his, mm-hmm. he put the character on, I put the character on and we just felt like, wow, this has got some, this has some pressure in it. This is, yeah. this is chemistry is actual and, and it's going to translate. And then the writers have taken this really fun journey from them listening to Ario Speedwagon in the car to, you know, the breakfast with Amanda LaRusso and, yes. um, you know, and all, all, all the misunderstandings, Johnny and Daniel, I think meet each other. And if there was no Johnny, there would be no Daniel that knew Miyagi. So, yes. you know, and if Daniel didn't kick Johnny in the face, uh, he would never would have realized that crease was bad all these years, you know? So, right. um, there's a great episode. One of my favorite episodes in season one is called different, but same. And that's the one where you get to see that they're, they're, they're very similar at their mm-hmm. core. They're both fatherless kids. They both had a mentor. He had a great mentor. I had a, a more abusive mentor and yeah. look at the journey these two took. Um, so there's a lot, as much as Johnny and, and Daniel are, are similar at the core, there's just so much backstory and so much difference between them that to get them to fit is it's just a broken puzzle. And it's always going right. to kind of retract as much as we push through and playing that is super fun and natural and we don't push it. And it's just, it's just living, you know, not only are you acting, uh, you're also, uh, fighting. You're, you've got yes. these scenes, like you've got, we get to see Johnny and Daniel fight together and each other a little bit in season three. Um, talk about the training that goes into those fight scenes. Cause I would imagine it's uh, a lot. It's a lot in the pre-production. We have about a month or so of getting, you know, stretching out, getting all our, you know, our muscles loose and our hips looser and working out some kinks. But as we film the show, it's just so fast the way we film this. We don't have the luxury of preparing so much. Like in Karate Kid, we had three months to train just for the final fight. Three months, four wow. five days a week, four hours a day sometimes just preparing. So when we did that, it was like a dance. It was just subconscious. You didn't even think about it. On this show, it's a little bit different. So we have, you know, some of our scenes will have maybe a day or two or three, maybe to p- pull them together. And then we're thrown in, you know, so it's a little more challenging. Um, and we, we always walk away laughing because when we did Karate Kid, somehow we were, we were so precise in our movements that we never clashed. There was never yeah. a time where we, where I threw a punch and he hit, blocked it in a way that it hurt. And that was because we had the rehearsal time and, we were precise. This one, it's a little bit more, you know, we don't have the time to so all throw a punch and he just wants to get out of the way and he'll block it. And he's got some bony arms. And so we walk away with bruises and the end of every day, we're just comparing who has the most bruises. It's a lot of fun, you know? Um, but so, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Ralph Macho has said that it, uh, there's a lot of stretching and a lot of Advil, but it sounds like yeah. you mostly avoided serious injuries. Yes. And, 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 and Epsom salt baths, you know, we do that, you know, there's some, uh, you know, fire, fire and ice. There's these patches, these heat pads that they put on us. Those are new in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there is an amazing moment in episode six where uh, Miguel asked Johnny for some photos to put on his Facebook profile. And Johnny gives them these amazing sort of like beefcake photos from high school. And they are real photos of you from that time in your life. Yes. I need to know sort of everything about this. Was this your idea? Did the producers come to you and say, do you have any, you know, sexy photos from high school? And like, did you have copies of these lying around? Like, how did this all happen? Yeah, that was in the writing. I read the script and I'm like, okay, beefcake photos from the 80s. So uh, we dug in and found some of these old photo shoots I did. And 
you know, back in those days, it was funny, you know, you, you get, you'd be a teen star, you're a teen something. And, and all these phot- photographers are coming out of the woodwork and drag you to a beach, throw oil on you and throw you up against a rock. And <laughs> next day you're, you're a poster in somebody's live, you know, bedroom. Um, who knew these things would be living this long back then it was just, you know, for a, a one page spread and something or, so I had them and I pulled them out and, um, I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really it, funny. Yeah. It's such a great Easter egg, even though it's like not technically in the Cobra Kai canon, it's still you as at that period. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Were there any that you didn't want to use or were you just like, take whatever you need? Take whatever you want. I, I even gave them worse ones and they didn't take them. There's a great photo that, I mean, I wish they used it's, um, but it's, it was too posterish. I, I, and I, I'll pull it out someday, but it, I, somehow I got put into the ocean and I was on my knees as waves were breaking against my back you know, with my shirt off and my jean pants, you know, and just like these waves crashing and the photographer Colin were just splashing off my back. It's just the silliest <laughs> thing. Yeah. But that wasn't good for the show. So, um, right, right. yeah, yeah. But that's all the writers. These guys, they love to have fun with all of that. So we talked a little bit earlier about having Elizabeth Shue come back and it was so important for the characters, obviously how she moved their story forward, but it was also like, so important for the fans who kind of had hoped this was coming. And so as a performer, what's it like to approach these scenes where you know there's like, there's so much at stake dramatically, but you're also like, this is what fans have been dying to see. So is there pressure or how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you can't think about it. You can't think of the audience. You can't think of, you know, especially when the show becomes known. When we first did it, it was just, we were doing it and it was this micro experiment you know and then it everybody's knowing it and they liking it and everything you can't you have to block that out Mm -hmm. you can't have one eye on that you just have to zoom in on first of all it's all in the writing it's all in the crafting and the plot device of these characters and how it's moving it forward getting your head around that and then you just exhale and just live it and you can't worry about how people you know if we had our eye on oh we got to please this demographic or this audience Mm -hmm. in a way and be conscious to serve that then we're not being honest. So the key is right. to just, you know, if material's great and you're ready and, you know, then you just do it. And you just do it. You just do it. And and if, you know, if it's working here at this little table with the camera over here and the guy with the boomstick, you know, and you feel good. And then the, the directors say, we got it. Boom, done. And uh, then they go cut it together and throw in some music. <laughs> throw in some journey. <laughs> <laughs> throw in some journey and Metallica. <laughs> So uh, a couple more questions. First, I read that you just wrapped season four. I know, obviously, you can't tease a lot, but can you give us some general like things to get us excited, what we can look forward to? Um, sure. Specifically, obviously, I can't. Um, yes. But taking, pulling forward what we talked about earlier as far as Daniel and Johnny, you know, trying to work together, that's funny. <laughs> you know, there's some funny in that. Um, yeah. And they went bigger. The this, this season... They wrote bigger. They went wider and deeper. And it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season. I'm fresh off it, literally 48 hours off it. So I just lived this, you know, oh, I just, yeah, I kind of disappear into this character and live it. So I don't have a good perspective of all of it, but it's uh, in the sense of, ref- you know, reflecting on having seen it. But it's a, l- a lot of great surprises, a lot of great turns. All the themes are there. It's bigger, more fun. They went for it. They swung for the, the hills. So do you watch yourself? I know some performers, some actors don't like to watch their performances. So have you seen all of season three? I have. 
but I watched them. The only time I've watched each of the seasons all the way through is with the time code on it when the studio sends it to me to get you up to speed on it. And I watch it in the back of the room with one eye open and I'm just, you know, just <laughs> you know, going through scene by scene and, and you know, yeah. So do I watch it? No, not really. I mean, I, I do watch it because I want to get a handle on the whole show. Um, season three, I get lost in the other characters. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard. I think it's just natural for you as an actor to to enjoy yourself. I can watch stuff from far back where I have so much distance. I can watch that and look at it. But when it's so close to me, so no. But I do like, you know, there's a lot of great tribute videos that I get sent of people doing these little condensed versions of it with music. And I love that. Oh, really? Fans, yeah, there's, there, you know, I get to send them all the time. And just to see how the character and the show is, you know, affecting these fans and they're making these great videos with music and, um, and they get it, they're getting it and that's satisfying. So no, I'm not, I'm not adverse to watching it, but it's not something it's, it's like, I don't want to be too aware of it, you know? Right. So, but in, in time I'll, I will, you know, sit down and click through them, you know, next episode I'm into other shows. What what are you watching now that you love? Oh, I'm I'm a Better Call Saul guy. Yeah, I can't okay. get enough of that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so finally, my last question. This is very important. I read that you still have Johnny's red leather motorcycle jacket uh, with the patch. Is that true? Do you still have that somewhere? And do you ever wear it? That's a great question. I do still have it. It's shrunk a little bit, or I got bigger. <laughs> one of the two. You know. <laughs> Um, yes, that was my takeaway. That was my takeaway with a few other things from Karate Kid 1. I do have it. Um, it's hanging in my closet. And every now and then I look at it and just think, you know, thanks, man. <laughs> Good to have you here still. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. That was a very important question, wasn't it? It's very important. Now I want to know what else you took from season, or from the first. I have a, I have a, gi, I have a gi from the first uh, Karate Kid and... Uh, you know, headband. Ralph got like he, they gave him the 1940s Ford. They gave him the they gave him the farm. You know, I had to go through and pick through the <laughs> pick through wardrobe and just sneak it out. No, so um, yeah. Well, it has been a total joy talking to you as per usual, and congratulations on uh, the season. I can't wait to see season four. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much, and have a great rest of your day, Kristen. Always good to see you. Thank you so much. Kristen, you absolutely karate kicked ass in that interview right there. Oh, I should have <laughs> known. I should have known you'd come with the pun, Jared. I appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah. uh, thank you to William Zapka for being our guest. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Awardist. If you like it, please rate, please subscribe. And uh, so you never miss an episode and tell your friends. And if you want to discuss TV with us or yell at us about stuff that you don't agree that we've said, then join us on Twitter for some conversation. I'm at yeah. Kristen G. Baldwin. And I am at Jared Hall, and we will see all of you next time on The Awardist. Mm -hmm.